Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Matters, your go-to source for the latest industry news and insights. We bring you up-to-date information on the real estate market and discuss the latest trends, technologies, and strategies to help you make informed decisions. And now, we invite you to join us as we explore the exciting world of commercial real estate. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Commercial Real Estate Matters. I'm your host, John Powell, with Phoenix Commercial Properties, based in Raleigh, North Carolina. And today, we're joined by someone I've known for years. Skeet Willard is a Senior Vice President and Senior Business Development Officer with Fidelity Bank. I had the opportunity to serve alongside Skeet on the Board of Directors at a local Chamber of Commerce, and he's someone I trust to work with my clients when they need a commercial lender for their growing business or their real estate investments. Skeet, thank you so much for taking time to join us today, and we're excited to talk with you about how lenders keep the commercial real estate engine running smoothly in good times, but also how you all act and react in more challenging times. Well, John, thank you so much for having me. This is an honor. And as far as my background, I'm, I'm a local homegrown product here in Raleigh. I went to Athens Drive High School, graduated, went to University of North Carolina, Greensboro, played basketball for four years, Yeah, graduated with a BS in finance. And of course, that propelled me into the banking industry a little bit. I got, I was able to start working with Centura Bank for so, some of some of you guys that have been I, around a, a, a little while, you remember them. that bank, Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, Centura gave me an opportunity to come on as a management trainee, and I began focusing in during that time on commercial banking. So I, I spent about a year, I say, in that program. Okay. And then I, I kind of got pulled out a little bit. My, ba- my basketball background kind of pulled me out briefly. <laughs> and then I went back into it. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was good. I was kind of glad I did that. It was a niche I needed to scratch. So I got got back into it and I started working for what began, what ended up being RBC Bank had bought Centura. Correct. And I started working as a as as a branch manager, did that for three years, worked with a lot of uh, mom and pop businesses. Yeah. And I really kind of cut my teeth on the small business and lending market. And then about three years into that, I got moved to by the bank to Moorhead City. And I became okay, what wonderful. Was, yeah. Yeah. It was a good move. Yeah, who, who complains about moving to the beach, right? I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, and I had a chance to, when I got down there to kind of work as a market exec rather than maybe like a, a, a you know, a small business lender and yes. kind of got some exposure into some bigger deals. I was able to do a, a large hotel deal while I was down there, which Excellent. was was great. That was a good experience for me. Shortly after maybe 2015, my wife and I started talking about moving back home. Uh, her her family's up from up here. My family's here. There's a little bit more going on in Raleigh than it is in Moorhead. Yeah, sure. And, sure. and so we we just we settled in and kind of got up here. Got with Fidelity's been a great fit for me. Been allowed to work with so many different types of businesses, and of course that's helped me evolve to where I am today. Well, and I love your history, and I think you know some of my history. My father, who was an attorney in Cary. He was Fidelity Bank's, I'm going to say in-house counsel, but my father had a relationship with Fidelity Bank for 35 or 40 years as their attorney. And so I feel like I grew up with Fidelity Bank executives at the kitchen table or in my dad's office even as a child. And today, I'm certainly very fond of of you all and, and again, the relationship that we enjoy with you and Fidelity Bank for all these years. No, we feel the same way. Well, and thank you, Skeet. Yeah. 
How about help us set the stage and give us an idea of how commercial lending might differ from residential lending? And then what are key elements a borrower should maybe prepare for when they come and talk with you about their need? Um, well, re- residential lending, as I've and I've always said, residential lending is really kind of more cookie cutter. Um, you're, okay. you know, you, you base um, a person's personal residence typically, okay, and that's either in the purchase or refinance, or you're pulling equity out of, yeah. of so that. It's that single asset. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Commercial lending has so many different different factors in it. I mean, you're. You're dealing with, you know, you're, you're having to underwrite. Well, let's just put it, let's look at it from the type of collateral. You're either going to occupy the space or you're either going to buy it and lease it out to other businesses. Mm-hmm. So those are two, the two main types of mm-hmm. properties on the commercial side. Then you're underwriting a little bit more broadly. You're, you're ultim- underwriting the, the business. You're underwriting the individual. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're underwriting the, the actual project itself. Mm-hmm. Maybe that, you know, you're making sure that it's cash flowing and so forth. So there's so many different multiple factors that go into that, to that process, which, which makes it more interesting. And again, y'all also have so many other services to where you can still provide them a home equity or you can provide them sure. a business loan or you're looking for their deposits or they're more retail focused. And so you have that that credit card or that that point of sale mm-hmm. type of element. And so y'all are, I'm going to call it a full service lender, if you will, rather than almost like a mortgage broker on the residential side. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll go a step further and say with, with Fidelity, especially, you know, when you're dealing with a commercial, mm-hmm. I mean, excuse me, a smaller community bank, mm-hmm. you know, my role, I might be a high level commercial guy, but I'm still doing, I'm looking at that client's needs from top to bottom. And I've got a team in place that kind of helps me with that. But yes. I am not passing it off. My hand is on it the whole entire time. So, yeah. And I will, I actually believe that's one of the things that I've seen kind of set you all apart from some of the larger institutions. And again, we need the larger, kind of say the global platforms. But as an independent or more of an entrepreneur, I sometimes have felt lost in that shuffle where I really needed to rely on that relationship that I had with a community bank. And I think that's where you all bring so much value to the table. And plus, again, y'all been part of the fabric of the community for hundreds of years and that we all get a chance to benefit from. Quick question, does the size or even the type of business influence the lending process and the terms that you all are able to offer the customer? Well, I'll first of all say that that size Okay, so the answer to that question is yes. Size and type of business do impact the the lending process, but I will take I will say that maybe not not to the point where it's the most important piece in it. You okay. can have so let's just take type of business. You can take a restaurant for instance. Restaurants are a, a higher risk type of credit. I mean, you, you higher percent of failure in the first couple of years for a restaurant as opposed imagine. to like like a dental practice or a medical practice, which is very low rate rate of failure. And that makes sense. Yeah. So, but at the end of the day, we look primarily on historical cash flow and liquidity for each one of those businesses. You can have a restaurant that has five restaurants that are hugely successful, a really strong, experienced, knowledgeable owner with good cash flow, good liquidity. That's a credit we'll do all day. You know, then you might have you might have a dental practice that has been around five to ten years that's poorly run that yes. has issues with their cash flow. So at the end of the day, size and type of business they do matter, but really historical cash flow, liquidity, the strength of the borrower, all that 
and you know, basically historical success or failure is is probably weighed a little heavier. And again, being in our area where we're so focused on that entrepreneurial spirit, as we mentioned earlier, startup businesses are probably more challenging than someone that obviously has a track record. Sure. But I also think that Skeet, our area is really we're so fortunate that people have maybe left and, and even the pandemic, I think we saw this in our office during the pandemic, and that people were leaving big box corporate America, if you will, to pursue their dream. Right. Here was their chance to go out on their own and to take their idea or to take a product that they had created and implement it. And so I'm sure that they're coming knocking on your doors as well, going, Hey, we're just getting started. But we'd love to begin establishing that relationship with you all and because we're going to need you sooner or later. Sure. And I'm confident y'all welcome those conversations as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's real important that that they consider that even before they need a credit, that they consider that before – you know where you're going to be. What kind of bank? What kind of bank do you think you'll need long term? You need to be thinking more than just, "Hey, what's what, you know? What, where do I put my deposit relationship that's two miles away from my house?" You need to be thinking about the type of type of bank that you're 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 opening that account. Uh, absolutely. So, what are Fidelity Bank? What are really y'all's sweet spots? I know every lender probably has the same answer, but really, in terms of the Southern Wake County or the Triangle Wide, and for our listeners who are more local, what really is your sweet spot? Okay, so I thought about um, you know from a from a standpoint of um, you know sweet spot. I, I don't think there's an industry that we would say, "Hey, look, we love this particular industry." I think Fidelity mm-hmm. has always been kind of a we've we, we have never been associated with one particular industry or, hey, they're good with this particular industry. Okay, I sure. think what we've always looked at and what, what's, what's really has been a good fit has been businesses that have that been, in, the, that have been in, 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 in business for or been in operation for anywhere from two to five years that have a good historical track record of cash flow, at least two to, two to five years, I should say that, good cash flow, good projection of growth, doing well, well-managed, have the right team in place, just a good fit that they're looking for the type of bank that's going to be with them today, a year, five years, 10 years down the road. That's a perfect fit. They're homegrown. They're from this area. You know, that's a that's a really good fit for the bank. And I would almost think, and you touched on several key factors that make me kind of have 12 different ideas, but I would almost think that you're relationship focused and you all understand that businesses are going to ebb and flow in good times and bad times. The key element there is you want to make sure that they are hands-on, well-managed, and that they probably have reserves or resources to endure those tough days. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. again, even though we're in one of the, uh, the I'm going to say, hottest markets or our areas in one of the thriving areas in the country, we still – feel a recession. We still get impacted by global events and this, that, and the other. And so none of us are immune to it. No. As our world continues to evolve and the landscape here continues to grow, what current trends are you seeing and maybe even elaborate on the challenges that you're facing in today's lending environment? Okay. That's a great question. And we there's always factors that are 
affecting us year in and year out that we don't expect. You know, there are things that just happen every year that that don't that we don't really see coming. But I think the biggest thing right now that's affecting our businesses, and of course, if it's affecting our businesses, it's affecting us, right? Is just the the rising interest rate environment that we're in right now, coupled with the high cost for for businesses to operate. So supply costs, cost of cost to operate, those two factors are kind of uh, coming into play and and really causing those profit margins to be a little strained. Mm-hmm. And and it's even affecting this area. The the flip side of it is that we are in a great area that has a tremendous amount of demand. We got businesses that are moving in. We've got new people moving in. There's just a tremendous amount of demand. So. Those two things are, are working together in tandem that, that the bank is just wanting to make. We, we're just trying to pay attention and making sure that we're really, really tuned into our clients and understanding how that's impacting them. Well, and you even touched on the growth that we're experiencing here and whether it's in, in, a, in a good market or a stable market or maybe even in, in some times that we've had or that are more compressed, if we will. Mm-hmm. I can look at license plates, just going to the store or running to church or running to uh, to the office. Now, I'm always amazed at how many out-of-state license plates we have here. And a lot of those could be visiting. They could be checking out our area because they're thinking of moving, relocating somewhere. But it's oftentimes you'll find out actually they're already here, and so they've moved their family mm-hmm. or they're placing their business here. And maybe they've come with a corporate relocation, but oftentimes they become that dentist or that attorney or that sure. CPA, and they need your services that y'all can provide to help get them started. Absolutely. Walk us through the various commercial loan products that really you all provide, because I know you have an a la carte menu, mm-hmm. and you all have been doing this for a significant period of time, but walk us through really what y'all can provide. Okay. Well, I think at, at the top of the uh, top of the pyramid is probably commercial commercial mortgages. Then you like then you're looking at commercial uh, construction notes or construction okay. construction to permanent type of financing. Looking at special or you're looking at say, equipment and you know business asset lending. You, you have agricultural um, products such as farm loans. What we'll do. Yes. Okay. And it's a lot of times we'll partner with the USDA a little bit on that. You know, or we can do them standalone. You know, we, believe it or not, we, we're still seeing them here in this area. Got a request about a, about a about a few months ago on for for a farm loan in in in, in one of our neighboring counties. So it was that, that was interesting. First one I'd gotten in quite some time. And then we also have you know SBA, the SBA lending from a seven A and five hundred four. You know that partnership, those types of lending options we'll offer. And then you, of course you're looking at business lines of credit, whether they're secured or unsecured. You're looking at yeah. business letters of credit that sometimes are necessary when you're looking at, you know, projects, these businesses, you know, some of my, my clients are you know, doing development projects and business letters of credit. And then you're looking at credit, credit cards as well. So we, we offer a wide array. And a lot of those I want to touch on from construction to SBA to projects that maybe we're all looking at that are now being paused due to maybe some uncertainty on the horizon. But I, maybe we'll come back to some of that. Mm-hmm. Of those, how do you assist the client in really selecting what product is right for them? Okay, and and that's that's a that's a lengthy conversation. You know, they, a lot of time a need will will arise for the client to come in and sit down and talk, and we evaluate that need. We look at it whether it's short term, 
in nature or whether it's long-term in nature. And I, I kind of define short-term as anything less than 12 months. Okay. It usually is, you know, something like a, a, a line of credit usually fits something in that type of time frame. Anything more than that, you're looking at a term note, whether it's real estate secured or something else, whether it's a, a vehicle loan or equipment loan or that type of thing. So with real estate, um, we're, you know, that gets into a little bit more complex questions. You know, you're talking about, all right, you got a payment that you need it to be to, to fit the cash flow of the business. Exactly. Want, you know, we want to make sure that the term and the amortization fit that need. So like we, we may, we, we may set it up on a 10, you know, for real estate, 10, 15, 20, 25 year amortization, put in a term of anywhere from five to 10 years, fit locking in a rate for that period of time. And then, you know, there's some type, sometimes clients want to pay it off ahead of time. So we have to talk about, you know, their desire, their goal and getting it paid off. And, you know, what are their, and, and then there's the the equity that they inject into the project that Absolutely. you have to get into that. And that's okay. So some clients have it, plenty of it. Some, they, they can, some of, sometimes clients have the cash to buy the, the building, but they just don't want to use it, which is sometimes a wise decision on their part. Sometimes they don't. And then that's where if they don't have the equity, then you're starting to talk a little bit about, you know, do you partner with the SBA and that type of thing. So. In fact, we've actually had, you know, I'm in my 31st year in my career, which is seems crazy because I feel like I just started. But we've had many a client that actually had the resources and they went ahead and paid cash for the opportunity. And we might restabilize it, if you will. The one-year lease, we would get a renewal and go ahead and get a five-year commitment. The empty space, we would go ahead and lease that out and maybe get a seven-year commitment there. So we would kind of restabilize it, if you will. Then they would take it to a lender like yourself mm -hmm. and then recapitalize it and pull their cash back out. Sure. And kind of then allow the lending system, if you will, to really work for them and to be a great conduit, they were able to capitalize the opportunity because they were a buyer truly with cash, mm -hmm. and that's what every seller wants. Right. But then they were able to maybe put some additional uh, improvements into the building, and then they and really, in essence, raise the value of it, and then they got their dollars right back out of it So and put a loan on it. Yeah. Skeet, there are so many banks in our market today. Why should a business really engage with a community bank like Fidelity Bank? And maybe when should they even consider, I'll call them one of our larger national flags or a global platform? Well, well, I got to tell you, John, I'm going to be a little bit, I'm a little bit uh, partial on this. You As know. you should be. <laughs> Fidelity falls into that smaller community bank category. I, um, I always, when if somebody comes and is, it, let's just say they're not sitting in my office, if they're just asking me in general, and they own their own small business, I always, I always say start small, evaluate whether that small community bank can fit, and or are they are, are they equipped to meet your needs? If they are, then that's where you want to be. The larger banks are much more geared to work with corporations. Yes, they're okay. not. They're that, that's that makes sense. Yeah, they're they're not as equipped to help the small business. Now, there's certain small businesses, and if you if you look at the the definition, everybody has a different definition of what a small business is. I mean, the the go, during the during the the uh, payroll protection program days yes. of 2020, they had a they had a definition of the, there's a 500 or less employees. 
Well, that's a pretty doggone bi- sizable business. Five hundred employees is that is big. a huge business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't yes. know if I have any clients that are in my portfolio that that, that are that big. <laughs> so, but I would just say that if if a client is evaluating the bank, the smaller the bank, the more flexible, the more maneuverable they can they're going to be. And and we saw that play out. And we just talked in two thousand twenty with the P- payroll protection program. Smaller banks executed on that so so much better, so quicker. Um, and and you're talking businesses that had to have their payroll paid in order to make it in the matter of days or the yeah. matter of hours. Yeah, they needed your feedback, and I I know you certainly just as a friend, but I know the hours that you and your colleagues and even at the other community banks that they put into that platform to really keep the the local business alive. Yeah. And I think those will never be forgotten. It, it opened up a lot of businesses. They opened up their eyes to say, okay, well, is my bank meeting my needs? And, and the ones that we got, the ones that the bank, businesses that moved to us as a result of that were from the bigger banks. And, and, and they just, bigger, the bigger you are, the less able you're you're able to, to put something in quick and, and, and efficient. And, and that's, just, that's just the nature of it. Skeet, I completely agree with that. And we use that at Phoenix Commercial Properties oftentimes is that I say we're a jet ski <laughs> and that we can turn very quickly. We can adapt to market conditions. We can adapt and make decisions right now, the two of us on the phone or face-to-face on how we're going to market your property or, or how we're going to react to a conversation we just had. The larger national flags, they are a well-oiled, defined battleship they simply can't react as quick as we can. And oftentimes I think what you just said reminds me of of you all and us kind of being equally yoked there. Do you see lenders from outside our market really trying to maybe penetrate our landscape due to some success that we've had and are, as a sidebar, I think of loans like non-recourse loans. I remember there were non-recourse loans back in the day. Yeah. Are they even still around? Yeah, and I would I would say that the first question, the first part of that question was are are new ba- banks coming in this area? Are they trying to hit our market? Absolutely, all the time. It's funny how I get. I I think most of the bank bankers around here are getting calls. You know, they're interested in recruiting for this new bank that's coming into the area, and they're wanting to establish yes. their market. And you're okay. always going to get that. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, this is an amazing market to be in if Agreed. you're a bank. Agree. Now, the second part of that on non-recourse, and and I'll, I'll go, I'll take a step, I'll even go and add on to that. Fidelity's name recognition is just, it's going to be. I, I can't, you 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 put, you cannot put a price tag on that. People just understand they know fidelity oh. around here, so it makes it it makes it a a no brainer that this is where you want to be, right? Sure. Um, now, non recourse in in the in the the world in which I operate, non recourse has has never really been an option. Okay, and that and that ultimately for those that don't understand what non recourse is, it means it's, it just lacks a personal guarantee. Yeah. Yes. So you're not going to get loans approved by Fidelity without a personal guarantee. And the reason I coupled those together for our audience is I remember when, obviously, on the commercial real estate side, non-recourse loans were always introduced by a lender. I'm going to say it was in Texas or they were on the West Coast and they were going, hey, we can kind of take out your traditional lender 
who you've had a relationship with for 50 years, and we can give you a non-recourse mm-hmm. loan. And we actually had some clients that were going, I'm, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this more. But I, I have not come across that. But as I was thinking about asking about the lending climate, those maybe coming into our market, I wanted to put the two together. Well, well I will say that after 2008, after we went through what we went through in 2008, banks, because there was a lot of those non-recourse loans that, that, that banks had to write off. I mean, they just, they, they couldn't collect on right. because they couldn't get to the owner. So, you know, I think that was a lesson learned for a lot of banks and I, I don't see Agreed. it as much, but if, if we come up in a competitive situation with a non-recourse loan, then we're going to, unfortunately, we'd have to bow out. And, and, I, and I understand why. And again, you're seasoned. And mm-hmm. even we at Phoenix, we don't take on every opportunity that comes in our doors. We, we believe everyone needs to have representation, just as probably everyone needs to have a, a quality lender involved. But sometimes we're not the right fit. And we welcome the opportunity to help that client get aligned with the right representation. Mm-hmm so that they can accomplish their goals. Sure. Skeet, you mentioned a while ago the SBA, and I would love to touch a little bit more on that. And oftentimes there's such a crucial element to getting a loan approved. When do you involve that aspect of the solution? And how can maybe clients make sure that they're at least exploring that with you all? Sure. And I'll, I'll start by saying that we have an excellent government lending department. We have some really good partners that I work with. Up until about three years ago, we did not have that. So it's a relatively new uh, new department, and we have been doing 504. So those are the two types of loans that we do okay. primarily. So for those that don't understand the difference, and basically there are clients that come to us um, that are looking for loans to either purchase an, an existing business or to um, establish a new business from ground up. So there's no quote unquote, historical cash flow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe they lack a little bit of liquidity to, to put into the business. Maybe it's a franchise, a new franchise. Maybe somebody wants to start a crumble cookie franchise. And, you know, and, and so th- those are those are things where the SBA 7A loans, they come into play. And it's they, a they perfect work. solution. Yeah. So you're lacking collateral mm-hmm. and you're lacking cash flow. Mm-hmm. And, and most traditional banks aren't going to be able to lend in those types of situations. On the, the 504, that's strictly for owner-occupied yep. real estate purchases. Mm-hmm. Where that becomes an option is where maybe the borrower doesn't have a tremendous amount of cash to put down on the purchase of that property. So the the, the 504 sometimes, it, it, well, in most situations, it allows for less, less uh, cash out of pocket on the front end. And it's an op- opportunity to partner with the bank. So the bank takes on a portion of that loan. SBA takes on a portion of that loan. And both both parties are happy. And y'all just work collectively due to your longstanding and the borrower, they're still making their payments really to you, mm-hmm. to Fidelity Correct. Bank as a as their as their senior lender. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. We still manage the process. We still underwrite the loan. Everything is done in house. Mm-hmm. Does our and again, we're kind of things are really good here locally, as you touched on. But I think we're we're we're. We're going into an election year. Interest rates have been rising. The Fed meets, I think, next week, and they're going to meet several more times this year. And interest rates were kind of being predicted that that they're that they're going up. How does the current economic climate influence your lending strategies? 
Okay. And that is always going to play a role, the economic environment. I think every bank, and it's kind of hard, like you can line up 10 of us from different banks and you're going to maybe get a different answer, right, about where how okay. it's impacting. Some banks right now, I, I know for a fact, aren't really lending any money, much to, if, if at all. Agreed. I think many have just kind of said, let's pause mm-hmm. on offerings right now. Right. Then you have some banks that are saying, okay, we're going to lend, but we're only going to lend these types of loans. Okay. So Fidelity, and I think what what differenti- differentiates Fidelity, and I've I've come to appreciate this more as I've been with mm. the bank, is that they have a, such a strong cash and capital position mm-hmm. where they don't have to quote unquote borrow from the Fed, or you know they don't have to borrow from the mm-hmm. so they don't have to borrow the money. They mm-hmm. they have it on on deposit to lend out, which makes it easy. Makes it much much better for for us to you know the terms on on that type of situation. The margins are so much better, and and you know you're able to have a little bit more flexibility, and you're able to do more. So our stance is is going to be we're going we're business as usual, John. We're still lending in all of our categories. Where we're different, where we differ, maybe from a year or two ago, is that we're paying a little bit more close attention to those speculative type projects. We're looking a little closer. We're making sure our numbers are right. We're making sure that you know the the people that are executing on the project have experience doing it. The builders know what they're doing. They're they're usually reliable on their time frames. We got good, you know, if it's a, like I said, if it's speculative, we have you know good letters of intent and leases right. in place right. and. You know, we're just we're we're always I, I would say we've always historically been buttoned up, but we're a little bit more so now than maybe we were. Yeah, you, but even you know, as you elaborate on that, Skeet, I think this is a tremendous opportunity for for you all and or other community banks to capture market share. Sure, for those lenders that have kind of withdrawn, if you will, and have I'm not going to say closed their doors, but they're saying I'm going to pass on this opportunity. You and any other commercial lender, it's a great opportunity for them to capture that opportunity and to impact lives. You just want to be strategic about who you align with Correct. and make sure that, A, the credit's there and the location is right and the quality people are involved in quality construction. Yeah, You know, a lot of times, Skeet, we say uh, we're either in a storm, we're headed into a storm, or we're coming out of a storm. <laughs> and the way life works, sometimes, unfortunately, we're in multiple storms. Right. Things are good here in our local area, but we do kind of see on the horizon that we might be headed into a storm or things might kind of be a little bit more rocky. Are you all, again, because of your strength and your health, do you still feel that if if things were to slow down, if you will, and I hate the R word, recession, but if we were to begin to slow down, for lack of a better analogy, y'all will still be open for business and 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 welcoming those opportunities to come in your doors? I, I believe we will. I think there there may be, John, there may be some categories such as, you know, like new new home new residential home construction for builders, like build, builder loans. Yes. That, 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 Great example. Yeah. That that's usually they're heavily impacted by a recession. Yes. And so it may be that we we're not we're not running them away, but we may just pull back and say, hey look, you know, we're we're going to limit what we want to do here. Your exposure, right? Exposure, and you know, hey, look, let's let's take a look at how 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 you know what's the demand right now. And it, the crazy thing about it is that even through stress times, this market continues to get people coming in. But then again, when you've got high interest rates, 
and you're in a recessionary period of time, those are things the bank has to look at and determine whether they that's that that's an area that they need to pull back on or not. Do you think, and, and I know this kind of leads us down a path, I guess typical owner-occupied loans might be at 90% or 85% loan-to-value or even 80% loan-to-value. If if we were to kind of slow down, to again limit your exposure, mm-hmm. well, y'all maybe, you might not feel as comfortable loaning 85 on this one, but I can give you 80 or I can give you 75. Is that kind of a good example of oftentimes how a, a lender might think or might react to an opportunity, we still want to do the deal. Yeah. We just not we might not be able to be as aggressive sure. as we could have been. I think that's that's a, a good example. I said maybe maybe it is those factors. Maybe it's the loan to value. Maybe we require a little bit more mm-hmm. equity. Mm-hmm. But there are other factors that play into that. If it's brand new construction, John, you know, it's a brand new building. There's no real reason why we wouldn't do eighty five. Okay. I mean, if it's a new, I mean, if our collateral is really strong, mm. you know, there's, there's so many things that go into that, not just the, not just a recessionary, whether we were in a recession or not, but, but yes, the, yeah, we would, we would certainly look at, we would want there, especially in a recession for our clients to have that cushion, to have that fallback. Skeet, as, as a, someone's looking to come in and have conversations with you, what key advice would you offer someone if they're maybe coming or approaching you for the first time. So it's a new opportunity, a new client. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you asked that because that is, that's where I am able to say, look, you're coming, you, you want to grow your business. You want to establish a bank and, and, and get things off the ground. Or if you have an existing business and you're trying to find a home bank, you need to find one that's relationship focused. And that's, that's where Fidelity comes into play. I mean, we yeah. are going to be there. John, we have clients that open their accounts in the 70s, in the 60s and 70s, that are third-generation cl- um, clients. They have their, their sons and then their grandsons <laughs> have, have stayed with Fidelity that long. I love so, that. So my advice to a client is, is look for that type of bank that is equipped to meet your needs, is, is not just now, but a year five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. And Fidelity Bank has that kind of track record. They have been Fidelity Bank for over 100 years, and we are family-owned, and that's what we're looking to – That's how we're looking to stay that way and moving forward. And you just mentioned one thing, family-owned. And I think as – you know, we are a family-owned business. And so who do we want to align with? And oftentimes it is someone that is that like-minded and and – that's a great example. Mm-hmm. What are some common mistakes that you still see borrowers maybe making, and how could some of those be avoided? Okay. Well, the one thing that pops in my mind is a lot of businesses don't understand. They, they, they have a great product. They have a great model to build their business, but they are not partnered with the right people. Such They don't have the banker. Well said. Right? Yes. And they don't have a good relationship with a bookkeeper and a CPA. Yes, they don't have a good relationship with an attorney, and and those and, and you know while they know what they know, they don't know what they don't know. Right, that's the old right. adage. So they need those partners to be able to help them, and it's so so often that those partnerships keep those businesses out of trouble. They're costly. It's a cost of doing business. It's just the cost of doing business. It's not cheap to have those relationships, as you I'm sure you're aware. 
But they are, they are your shield. They're your protector. They're your, they're your back. Yeah, that's exactly right. You've got to have that team in place. I call it, call it the power team when it comes to, to businesses. <laughs> you got to have your banker, CPA, and attorney. I love that. I may start borrowing that. <laughs> How can a potential borrower best prepare for the loan process? I know you all are going to require a lot of paperwork, a lot of back data. Walk me through. I'm going to come in for an owner-occupied loan, for example. Tell me what you need. We'll, we'll need, again, from a financial standpoint, we always ask for basically our, your personal balance sheet, which is a personal financial statement. That gives us a good idea of your capital position. And we, we look for tax return, two, two or three years of tax returns minimum. And we try to get a real good, accurate idea of cash flow, liquidity. We like to have some background information, obviously, on you know, historical understanding of your business. We want to know how it started. We want to know the, the, the progress that the business has, you know, what, what's happened with the business up to now. You know, what are you experiencing now? You know, we want to have a good understanding so we can paint the picture for our underwriters what's going on, you know, and then, of course, you know, understanding the request. But I think from a, from a process standpoint, it's just making sure that we have um, all that information so we can we can we can get that process started. So we we I have to I, I wish I had the ability to approve a loan. I, the, the bank doesn't give me the that approval authority, so I have to work with somebody else. So that person needs to understand that business as much as I do, and I've got to be able to to have that information on the front end. And oftentimes they might not be eyes on the business as much as you are. They might not have the benefit of having that relationship. Yeah. And so if I own a business, I own a restaurant, or I own a dog grooming, or I own something. I'm going to go build build a building or or buy some space. Do you also need my personal information, or or is it just on the business? Well, keep in mind, and we go back to those that question about the non recourse. You know, non recourse loans you don't have to personally guarantee, but on most loans that you're going to to a bank, you're going to have to personally guarantee sure. that note. So in order to so we de- yes to answer that question is we have to have a personal financial statement on the individual owners. Whether that's one owner, whether that's multiple owners, any any owner over twenty percent or more, so you know, so we have to have that information. We have to have two years of personal tax returns on the on those individual business owners, then on the business itself, and just have an understanding of the cash flow from the wow. business itself. See, I think that's most helpful for our listeners. They're not mm-hmm. only be they can be capturing the data on their business right now, but also make sure that you're capturing the information on yourselves. So when you go in to talk to Skeet you're already kind of teed up. And John, I'll add this, that, that relationship with the CPA and bookkeeper is so vital. You know, it, that's why that is so important. That information, the accuracy of that information lends credibility to the borrower. And, and we talked, we've talked about that in the past. Yes. That's so important. So that, that relationship's key. Well, Skis, we kind of start bringing our time to a close. What is your vision for the future of commercial lending and maybe even what changes do you foresee in the landscape over the next few years? You know, I, I mean, commercial lending is, the, is in my, my opinion, the lifeblood of a good, mm. strong, healthy economy. Um, you have to have banks um, lending money to these businesses in order to help them grow and expand. And, and so I think it's always going to be key. On the individual side of, of, of banking, you know, so many people have migrated away from the branch and have become more, you know, technology-related online banking. That, you mm-hmm. know, when's the last time you've, for your own personal banking, when you, when's the last time you or I have had to step into a bank 
to, to make a transaction. I mean, it's probably been a while, right? Yes. So, so with businesses that, that I don't think that's going to change. Businesses need that relationship. So that relationship will be strong. So the business, the banks are going to, and Fidelity is always constantly working to make that process for the businesses to operate more efficiently for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, offering better, you know, systems and, and ease of doing business, but in the confines of that relationship, that's so key. And I think that will continue to be, that will continue to be a need for businesses moving forward. Well, and I would agree with you, Skeet. And even you mentioned, you know, about online banking and, and I still, again, I, I enjoy the face-to-face conversation and the interaction each day. And I still go to the bank to make a deposit. But I've always felt, and I think my dad used to tell me, son, don't be a drive through guy. You want to get out of your car and go into the branch and hand deliver the deposit so you can <laughs> say hello right. to someone in there. But again, it's, his, his encouragement was to always focus on the relationship rather than just the person that might be at the at the window. I agree. And and there are days where I'm in a hurry and I go through the drive through but there are other days where I do, I park the car, I get out and I go in and say hello to people. Sure. And it has it has been highly beneficial. And and, and I'll say this real quick, when things go wrong in a business and yes. they can go wrong and they will. Yeah. You don't want to be that client that your bank doesn't know. You know, you want to be, you want to have that relationship. You want to have that, hey, I can call up whomever and say, hey, look, Skeet, look, I know I didn't make, I know I didn't get a payment on time this month, but here's what I'm going. That communication is vital in a difficult time. So that relationship, that's another reason why that relationship is important. And maybe something as simple as that is what my dad was trying to teach me all those years Mm -hmm. ago. And again, you just hit the nail on the head, brother, is to make sure your lender knows who you are, mm-hmm. and to really have that steadfast relationship because sooner or later you're going to kind of hit a bump in the road. And again, every borrower, I would believe, wants a lender that's going to work with them in good times, but is also going to be there for them in the more difficult times. Sure. I think that's a perfect example of who you all are. Mm-hmm. Well, Skeet, how can our audience follow you online and how can they best contact you for a conversation? Well, I have, you can follow me on on, on, on LinkedIn. I do have a Facebook page as well as a personal. It's not not through the business, but I, I, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Please feel free to always reach out to me via my, my email address, which is skeet, S-K-E-E-T dot Woolard, W-O-O-L-A-R-D at fidelitybanknc.com. Or you can call me directly at my office. It's just 919-346-2741. Skeet, that is awesome. Brother, I can't tell you thank you enough for all you've done for our community over the years and for always being just someone that I can trust. I always know that if I have an opportunity to send you one of my clients, you are just going to be very open to that that opportunity and that conversation, but you're also going to be very candid with them in terms of what you all can provide them in terms of service and support. And I just appreciate that relationship that we have but again, I appreciate you taking time to join us on Commercial Real Estate Matters for one of our sessions. And brother, I just hope you have a fantastic week and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, John. And I'm so, so I've enjoyed this. This has been a great opportunity and appreciate the time with you. You're welcome, my friend. I'll see you. Thanks for tuning in to Commercial Real Estate Matters. We hope you've enjoyed learning about the latest trends and news in the industry. As always, we welcome your feedback and suggestions. 
please consider following us on social media or subscribing to this podcast to stay up to date on all the latest news. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you.